Ian Sharps, welcome to the Shrews Views podcast. Thanks for your thanks for your time. Look forward to reflecting on those those salop years all those all those years ago. Yeah, it feels a long time ago now. Uh, <laughs> Battle water's gone under the bridge since then, but yeah, we were good times. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, as, um, as I'm sure a lot of diehard Salop fans will sort of remember, you sort of made your name with Tranmere and, and then Rotherham in the in the football league, and then it was 2010, I think that that Shrewsbury came calling. Can you sort of recall that that summer and how it, how the move came around, Ian? I'm guessing it would have been was it Graham Turner who brought you to the to the meadow? Well, yeah. Well, originally about 2008. Uh, Paul Simpson got in contact when uh, he signed Graham Coughlin, um, but he, he it didn't that nothing materialised in the end with that. And then uh, 2010, I decided I wanted to move away from Rotherham. Uh, we just lost in the playoff final, and uh, I was just looking for club really. At the time, it was uh, we had no manager at all at Shrewsbury. Um, it was Mike Jackson was doing like the interim stuff, and uh, I rang him and spoke to him because I knew him from my playing days at Tranmere, and he was said yeah they'd be interested and. Um, I was at um, Thorpe Park in or Legoland, whatever, in London, and uh, I got a phone call off Jacko saying, "Yeah, we're going to sign you. Uh, we're not totally sure who the manager's going to be yet, but would you like to come over? But we'll, we'll know in the next few days." So that was on the holiday for the year. So when the holiday finished, um, I found out it was Graham Turner, and I I ended up going over to Shrewsbury for the next couple of days. I think he. Probably signed on the say the Monday and I signed on the Wednesday, Graham. So it was a uh, quick fire stuff. That's quite a, sort of probably a unique situation. I can't imagine there's too many players that sign for a club when they haven't got or agreed to sign for a club when they haven't got a manager. That's true, yeah. But at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. I just remember thinking like I've always thought Shrewsbury good club out from the outside, uh, well run and uh, quite family orientated. And um, I just, I just some and it's. Obviously, from the Wirral originally, and so we wanted to move back to this side of the country, but not too close, but close enough to to, to be near family as well. Yeah, that's a question I actually had in terms, of, you know, yourself going there, your experienced professional. How do you know? I'm sure it's sort of differed over the years now, and obviously, we're what you know, 13 years down the line. But how did how did players view Shrewsbury then? Obviously, a League Two club, you know, new stadium. Do all those things sort of come into consideration when you when you look at yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Like I remember playing against Shrewsbury with Rotherham the year before I got there, and it was thinking a good stadium, good pitch, friendly crowd. Um, looks a good place to play at. Um, but obviously, it's a lovely area as well, which I knew about from when I lived on the Wirral. So it's all those things add up together to make it an attractive place to come. Yeah, and what was the feeling in that summer? Um, I think eventually finished fourth, and it, it was a sort of a loss in the playoffs, which we'll touch on, but. You know, just looking at the the squad there, good you know, good squad, good young squad really in terms of sort of a good balance. Well, the first day I got, or the first few days we trained, there was only about ten of us training. Really? Because uh, uh, Graham said I hadn't had a chance to put everything together because I'd lost in the playoffs the year before. My season finished really late, so I was in a position where I didn't want to sit around for too long and look and look for things, or I didn't have time to look for things. So I signed quite quickly, and then obviously. The season started quickly after that, and um, we didn't have many players at all. It was a case of Graham Turner just trusting him really, and he was saying like, "We're going to get a team together that has a chance." So I think it was me, Matt Harold, had signed roughly at the same time, and then he obviously brought in players like uh, Mark Wright later on. But when we were training, it was like people with uh, like Connor Goldson and John Taylor. They were only 18, 19 at the time, so it was like we had twelve players, but. Half of them the youth team. 
Yeah, in terms of them young boys, you know, just glancing at them squads, his name's, you know, Goldson, John Taylor, I think Tom Bradshaw was still knocking around at that point. With the players that you can see, you know, they're just three players who've gone on to, you know, Conor Goldson's one, SPL, Tom Bradshaw's, you know, could be a Premier League footballer next season with Millwall. Um, was it quite plain to see there was quite a lot of talented youngsters around at the, around at the time? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, to be fair. And it was, um, it was really good. We went on a tour to down south to Cornwall. And they all played in it because we had no players and they all did well. And uh, you could see even then that given time, a bit of patience, that they're, they're going to be good players. And with the, how the, the season went, what was it What was it like? What was it like for you personally? Because I think you were made captain early, yeah. early on, I suppose. Well, you know, yeah. you, you st- watching you at Shrewsbury at the time strike me as someone who's been sort of that leader in the past as well. Yeah, the fact there wasn't many to choose from as well. <laughs> Probably yeah. me as well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'd, I'd been captain at Rotherham. I was tr- captain at Tranmere for a bit as well. It's uh, something I'd, I'd kind of natural to do and, and go through. And I think as the defender, you tend to be captain as well. So uh, I got on well with Graham and got on well with his assistant, John Truick, as well. So it just felt it was an easy thing to, to do. Yeah, for yourself as well, probably a similar season to the one before, sort of the, the I think it was the, was the, Qualified for the playoffs and sort of was it a similar similar ending? Really? I think it was yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah, the year before with Rotherham, we should have gone up automatically. If you look at the team we had and the squad we had and the way we played, um, but didn't didn't get over the line. The same really with Shrewsbury, we 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 should have gone up automatically. Apart from obviously the uh, the famous or infamous uh, ghost goal that didn't go in or did go in or whatever it is, and we would have gone up, but. Um, with both times, he missed out on the playoff. He missed out on automatic and didn't quite get over the line in, in the playoffs. How difficult is it after on on the back of sort of those? You know, you got that playoff heartbreak. Obviously, the following season with Shrewsbury, which we'll come on to, you know, was a successful one. But is it difficult to lift yourself up again? Or you know, yourself personally had had two heartbreaks in a row. You must be thinking, what have I got to do to try and get out of this division? Definitely, yeah. You're. Um, it's, it's, it's disheartening for quite a few days. Like the year before, the Rotherham one, we lost at Wembley, um, which is like the best and the worst day of football career kind of thing. To go and play at Wembley is such a proud moment as a captain there as well. But then to lose is to that one of the reasons I left Rotherham was because of that. I felt like I needed a new a new challenge, new a new difference, something different. Uh, at Shrewsbury, it was very similar as well because we. We'd been, I thought, one of the best teams in the league by a distance, but then just didn't get over the line. And then, obviously, Torquay beat us. And they, they, I think they finished, like, 15 points behind or something. So, it's a heartbreak again. But um, I think I think Graham Turner did well. He, he brought a few good players in over that summer, which then gives you a lift and gets you ready to go and play again for the next year. And, like you said, uh, you added to the squad. I just want to touch on what I think he brought in Marvin Morgan that, that summer. Um, when it's got a lot of goals for shoes, being obviously the late Marvin Morgan, who sadly passed away in recent years. You know, everyone you, you sort of read about and speak about him, you know, not just for his on the pitch work, but off the pitch as well, seemed to sort of speak positively. A man, you had a season with him there. What what were your sort of memories of him at Shrewsbury? Yeah. Top bloke to start with, uh, really good little guy. Um, I'd always say he's like the glue of the changing room. He used to bring everyone together. He'd be like he, he got on with everyone, uh, old or young, and He'd be the one arranging stuff to go out and stuff at night, and um, like a lot of lads lived within Shrewsbury, and he'd be the one getting them all organised to go for a meal or whatever it was. Um, I remember John Taylor was on the verge of leaving uh, in that summer because he, he couldn't he couldn't agree a contract or whatever it was, 
and he, he rang me and I said, look, we've just signed Marvin Morgan. I think he's a top player because I remember playing against him quite a few times. Uh, we've got a chance this year. Um, it's up to you if you, don't, if you want to go. But I think one of the reasons John stayed was because of the signings that Graham was uh, able to sign, uh, able to make. Was there a case of throughout that season you felt you always had a pretty pretty strong grip and I think you finished second in the end and went up automatically? Was it was it a case that you you were confident that you had enough to get over the line this time rather than go the, the playoff route? Definitely. Um we were kind of <coughs> excuse me. Uh, in that year we were kind of we'd win five games and then get beat four or five nil. And then go on another run of four games, five games, then get beat. And it was but because we were winning all them games in between. We were picking up lots of points. Um, I don't remember having a, having a massive sticky patch throughout the season. It was like you'd lose one game heavily, but then we'd get back on back onto it the ne- next week. So uh, I remember we had five players sent off that season. But we managed to win every game. Or, or I think we won four, maybe drew one, but we definitely didn't lose a game. I think that showed the camaraderie within the group um, and how tight-knit we were all together. Yeah, is any sort of standout memories? Obviously, I imagine getting over the line and securing promotion sort of gets that monkey off your back in terms of the last few seasons. But, but what were the sort? Of, can you remember any sort of standout games or standout moments from that campaign? Uh, I remember Gillingham away. They were a, a top six, top eight side. Uh, we conceded a penalty and Chris Neal saved it, and then we got a penalty in the last minute away at their place. And it's always our place to go. I think Gillingham. Uh, I think Nicky Rowe scored the, the penalty in the, uh, the last minute of the game and. Remember that being a, th- a massive, thinking that's a massive win for us, that because not many teams go to Gillingham and win. Um, I remember South End at home. Uh, we had a man, I think Marvin got sent off actually early on, uh, about 20 minutes. And um, we ended up winning the game 2 1. Jermaine scored um, late on with a header from a corner. And I, that, that, those kind of games where you're not expected to win and there's just massive bonus three points. Yeah. In terms of, Getting over the line. What was it a case of relief in the end, given what happened the previous season, you know, and being able to avoid avoid the lot through the playoffs? Definitely avoiding the playoffs, yeah. But I remember it was the Dagenham game. Uh, we, if we won, we knew we were up. But I remember we were winning one nil, and I went to the uh, to the far side, and someone shouted, "Crawley are getting beat three nil." And if they lost as well, it meant we were up. So it was it actually had some uh, a nice twenty minutes of a football match with no pressure on. So. But before that, yeah, you, the tension, as the season builds, the tension comes. I'm sure like teams now are starting to feel the pressure of uh, trying to get promoted and stuff. And it's just whether you can handle your nerve. But I think the previous experiences definitely helped us to stay calm in them moments. In terms of just reverting right back to the early in the campaign, you had that really good League Cup run, I think, that season where you sort of beat Derby, beat Swansea and ended up at the, the Emirates Stadium, which was a fantastic evening. Um, was that the, maybe the catalyst for for the league campaign? Obviously, the league, that, that, that was sort of September, October. Did that give you a really big, you know, you've beaten Derby and Swansea. You know, I know Derby are where they are now, but two, two big championship sides, I think, at the time. I think Swansea were uh, Premier League at the time. Premier League, yeah, th- yeah. I think it was a convincing win as well, 3-1 and... You know, that must have been a huge boost. Did that have an effect on the league campaign? I think that just gives you belief that you can actually, you, you're a good team. Uh, I think when you when you look through the leagues now, if someone has a good cup run early on, it kind of shows that they're going to be a good team for that season. I remember playing Swansea and it was a hard game, but I remember thinking, we're, we're not as good as these, but we've given these the right game and managed to come out on top and they're two, three leagues above us. 
So that gives you massive belief and belief with each other and self-belief as well to to go on and do better things like that season. And the Arsenal result, I think you went 1-0 up at the Emirates Stadium as well. That must have been a bit of a surreal, surreal well, yeah, looking it's, back. It's, it's a bit of a well, great day, but I, I got injured the, the, in the warm-up the, the week before at Port Vale. I pulled my calf and obviously I was desperate to play, but yeah. I was nowhere near fit enough and I ended up taking my lad down. Me and my lad went and watched in the crowd because um, um, it was unbelievable to go 1-0 up. Um, but I think the class just showed in the end of that game. But even that, in that game, I thought the lads put a really good account of themselves up in that. And it, it, maybe it was one of them what could have been, but um, it was a great day for for the town. I thought. Was there some good good celebrations at the uh, the end of that? Town? I know you mentioned before, sort of a lot of the lads used to live in Shrewsbury and go out drinking together. I'm sure there was a few uh, a few pints sunk at the end of that campaign. Yeah, definitely. We had. Um, I remember because after Dagenham. Uh, it was Marvin. He opened the bar for us very, very nicely in the uh, in the suite downstairs, and just kept giving out free drinks all afternoon. I don't think the chairman was very happy with that. Uh, <laughs> then we end up in in C21, I think it was all night, and then uh, Sunday we carried on. Quite a few of the lads stayed out and went through a few bars within Shrewsbury, and Monday was the same. And I think Monday afternoon I miss ring a phone call off the missus saying I think it's time to come home now, mate. <laughs> so. Uh, we still had another game to go, didn't we? So it was we played Wimbledon the next Saturday, yeah. and then we had the, the open top bu- uh, bus tour, and we had I think we had a meal with the, the mayor and stuff, and um, it was it was it was very nice. And then we ended up in Magaluf for five or six days, as, as I think every single player went, which was great to see, and it was a, a, a good times. Sound, certainly sounds like a good celebration. What what was it like around then? Obviously, you hear now players talking about football these days, and you know the drinking culture of football is well and truly gone. I'm sure you know the years that you played, it was there. Was it was it there at Shrewsbury? Did you did you have sort of regular nights out at Shrewsbury, or was it sort of phased out even in League Two at that time? Yeah, I, I remember when I first started. Well, I was at like 96, 97. There was a, a good drinking culture at Tranmere. It was like a Tuesday, Thursday club for the older lads, not for the younger ones. But um, even then, so by the time we got to 2010, it wasn't anywhere near the same. Um, it, it was like if you had a game on the Tuesday, no one would be out on the Saturday. Uh, but you just pick and choose your times when to go out as a group. So if, like sometimes it'd be Saturday to Saturday, you had a home game, you might go out. But there wasn't a massive midweek culture and stuff, which tended to happen a lot in the olden days. Yeah, and in terms of how, how did that summer go for you? Because obviously you left Shrewsbury after the promotion. You'd had two years at the club. I'm guessing you're out of contract were you in at, at the time? Yeah, so I was out of contract. Um, Shrewsbury offered me a contract, but they only offered me a year. And I thought it was a bit unfair, considering how well I'd done for the last two years. They offered me a year where and the, the, the pay rise wasn't in line with what everyone else was getting. Obviously, that I was getting a bit older, and they they were they were worried about age and going up on the division. And I'll be honest, I, Rotherham offered me a really good contract, and I chased the money a little bit. And um, it, 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 it regret now, but at the time, I just thought for the for the for the sake of my family, uh, it was something I should have done. That's an interesting conversation because I know fans sort of say, you know, players should be loyal, but I suppose when you're at that level and. You know, it's not the Premier League riches. I suppose you do have to look at contract length, and you do have to look at, uh, you know, weekly wage and stuff. It come, it, it, it's it's a, a bigger consideration, I suppose. Than, it is, it, yeah. Compared to if you're a sort of Man City player moving to to Arsenal or something. Yeah, because the money I was on isn't like the Premier League wage, like you say. But 
I needed to try and get as much it being in a greedy situation. I had to try and get as much money as I could in the, in the short space of time I had left in my career. And while I was doing well, I had to try and uh, strike kind of thing. But I just, I look back and it was the wrong decision. It was the wrong decision for me as a footballer, wrong decision for my family because I was away from them for too much. And um, you live and learn, don't you? So it's the only one time I've really chased money in my career. And it's probably the, the unhappiest I've been when I was when I was in them six months I was there. Yeah, but I suppose then it's a risk. You don't know if you're going to get another year on the, on, on top of that that other True, year, yes. I suppose, isn't it? So if the state shoes being signed and I don't know, got, touch was got injured or whatever, um, it, I, I then I'm thinking, well, I should have signed for Rotherham. But um, hindsight's an easy thing to do, isn't it? But at yeah. the time, we, me, the family, just thought it was the right thing to do, but it just turned out it was wrong. At the time, did you feel a little bit not not resentment, but you said there you felt that you deserved more for from what you'd given Shrewsbury over them two years? Did, did, was there a little bit of that, a little bit of maybe not anger, but a little bit of feeling of being nose pat out joint a little bit, leaving the club? Probably, yeah, and I probably because I'd done well, I probably thought I was on my high horse, and maybe a little bit of that as well. And I just like uh, everyone else was in their contracts. It was because if I we got the year before, I'd have got a twenty five percent rage increase. And it wasn't a 25% wage increase where I was getting this time. So it was like, I've done all this. I've really committed to the club for the last two years. I've had a right go. And then I haven't been rewarded. And maybe I got a bit hot-headed about it. Maybe I got a bit stubborn about it. And as I say, you live and learn. We know that the, the chairman there can be sort of a hard bargain and negotiator. Did you have to go into any negotiations with, with Roland Richley at all with that? Or? It was all through Graham, to be honest. And then yeah. like when I... When I left, I had to go and say goodbye to Roland because he'd been really good to me, and uh, it wasn't an easy conversation to have. And um, as I say, it was probably, it was the wrong decision by me, but um, these things happen. In terms of you know Roland, which is you know synonymous with Shrewsbury and, and has, has built that club up to what it to what it is today. I've listened to other players, listened to Grant Holt talk about him and that and his relationship with players and and how he deal how he deals with sort of. Players, what what's he like compared to other chairmen you've had to work? Because I guess you probably have a close relationship with chairman, given you're a leader and given you've been a captain at most most clubs. Yeah, so he travelled to every game on the bus with us, uh, Roland, which not is not always the way in football. But rather than just sit at the front, he'd he'd come back and speak and tell you like stories about how he made his money and how he sees the club going and stuff. And he was very interactive with the lads at the right time. Well, he, he'd never, like as far as I know, never got involved in tactics or anything like that with. But like he'd never talk about football and like that as he at the back of the bus. But he'd often come down and chat and make sure you're all right. Ask about the family and things like that. So I thought he was a really good chairman. I thought he um, he conducted himself really well. As as players, is that quite nice? I suppose it's quite rare. I suppose it, it, it wouldn't happen at every. It might happen years ago when sort of directors would travel on buses. But I suppose it's quite different. Do players sort of appreciate that? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we we, we enjoyed his company. Um, You'd speak to him with respect, but obviously he was. Um, but you'd also speak to him as a as a friend kind of thing, and you'd you'd just chat and about different things uh, within life. So, and he'd let you have your view and tell you wrong, but <laughs> he'd um, he he was good to get on with. Yeah, no, it's a, it's interesting to to hear. And then I think it was rather and then then Burton Albion, I believe, and then you ended up back in Shropshire for. For a little spell with the the rivals with AFC Telford United down the road, how did how did that one come about? Yeah, this, this is how my coaching career started really. Um, so what happened was at Burton, uh, Gary Rowett left and went to Birmingham, 
And while when he left, the chairman asked me and another lad, Lee Bell, who's the crew manager now, he asked uh, to, to take over for a couple of games until they get a new manager in. On the last game, we got beat. It was an FA Cup game. We got beat by Barnsley, uh, four or five nil. So I was getting frustrated in the last minute of the game, and I, um, I just wanted to smash this lad, uh, the centre forward, and he's actually put his foot up, and I've ended up kicking his foot, and I got severe bone bruising from it. So when the new manager came in at Burton, Jimmy Floyd Asselbank, um, I was injured for like two or three months, but I couldn't play. And in my contract, I had. Uh, if I play expert, I think it was 10 more games, start 10 more games, I've got another year. So I went to see him and said, like, what, what's going on? And at the time, Burton were flying. They were doing really well. The, the two Stenser arse were doing really well. And he just said, look, if you play 10 more games, you get another year. I don't I don't really think that's going to happen. And I said, fair enough. So like, thanks for being honest. But so what, what's, the, what's the situation? He said, well, you can go on loan. So my one of my best mates, Neil Cutler, he was at Walsall at the time, and I said spoke to him and said, "Look, can I go in and uh, do some coaching with you, with the first, like not not get paid, but just shadow the first team coaching, just to learn the trade, really? Because I'd already been doing work at Shrewsbury under 16s uh, for quite a few years. So as we went into there, uh, I had to play. I wanted to keep on playing at the same time, but Telford trained Tuesday, Thursday nights, and then played Saturdays, so it worked perfect." In the fact that I could carry on playing for Telford uh, at a conference um, standard, but also going involved mid itself every day in coaching and learn from Dean Smith and Mitch O'Kelly. So we end up going there um, under Steve Ketrick. I was I, I was that. I think it was a difficult time at Telford. You know, they've had a few difficult seasons, but I, I was that for you. And, and, and what did you think of Telford as sort of a, a club, a sort of big club in non-league? Yeah, it was mad because. Like I'd gone from a professional club who I, every day you've got to sign in or whatever and being on time to a, a club that just was on the on the in the relegation zone in the conference, but also very much uh, part time. So lads would be turned, we say at six o'clock training, lads would be turned up at quarter to seven because they'd been to work, and and you have five or six there at different times, and and then on a game day they'd, they'd all be like we'd meet at uh, Junction Ten in Birmingham, and everyone would be late all the time. And I just couldn't get my head around it for some for for a bit because it just didn't feel right that like we're going for a game here and we're going to be late because lads are turning up late and it wasn't seen as that big a deal. But I also understand that they've got work and um, it was tough time in the fact that we could have just got out of it in in terms of relegation, but uh, we, we fell short in the end. Um, we had a few games at home where we should have won and we got beat, um, but it was a good experience for me personally in terms of learning different levels of football and what it entails. Is it, you know, what was it like back then? As a, I imagine the crowds are a bit bigger. The crowds have still been quite good now, even though Telford have been, been sort of relegated. It must be quite sad to see them in the situation they're in, almost in a, you know, well, they're not in a false position because they haven't, they don't deserve to be in the, in the conference or the conference north. But as a former player, it must be quite sad to see them preparing for life in either the northern or the southern Prem. Yeah, very much so. It's a very passionate club uh, with... Um, Good fan base, home and away, and a, good, a great stadium to play in. Um, so it's it's always sad when you see an ex club not doing very well. Um, but hopefully for them, they can go down to come back up and do it quickly. Um, obviously they'll be one of the bigger fishes in that league now, which will um, so there'll be a, a target for every other team playing against them. But hopefully they, their budget will allow them to 
go and thrive in that league next year. Yeah, and in terms of the rest of your career, I think you had a spell at Chester, I believe, playing after after that. If I'm yeah, so after so after that unsuccessful playing time at, uh, at Telford, I wasn't really inundated with offers. Um, but Chester was obviously not far from Shrewsbury, and it was um, Steve Burr was in charge at the time with John McCarthy, who's played for Port Vale, the winger, and um, they they rang and said, "Do you fancy it?" So. I was like, yeah, let's have a go at that. Um, it allowed, enabled me, because they trained three times a week, so it enabled me to carry on doing more coaching, because I thought I'd got the bug by then. And um, so it, I went over there, and we started off really well, to be fair. And in that time, you sort of, yeah, when you're playing career, came to an end at Chester, you know, you, you, you mentioned that you were at Walsall, and how, how was that? Was the move into coaching always sort of on the cards, really, when you were playing? When I was 20, 25, no, it wasn't. It wasn't something I was that bothered about. But as I got older, I thought, well, I know a bit about this sport and I can help people. And and then as I was going through with Shrewsbury 16s and stuff, it was I found it really uh, exciting to try and make players better and and educate them. And um, it's it's got a bug for it. So when the the manager at Chester got the sack, uh, Steve Burr, John McCarthy got the job and asked me to be his assistant. And and we did really well. Uh, We won. But we kept them up that season, and then we started the next season. We were top six, top eight for 10, 15 games. It was uh, exciting times. And you did, a few, as you said, I think talking off the podcast, a, a good good few years at, at Walsall, sort of learning from some some good names there. Not, not to speak about, you know, naming one Dean Smith, who's who's back in back in Premier League management now with, yeah. uh, with Leicester City. He'd gone by then, so it was only when I was doing my work experience I yeah. got to uh, learn from Dean. So it was John Whitney who was in charge when I went. Um, but we had the smallest budget in the league by a considerable distance. Um, and, and we managed to get mid-table the first year. And then the second year, we were flirting with relegation. And John, unfortunately, got the sack. And Dean Keats came in. And we managed to keep him up that year as well. So um, I know Warsaw aren't doing great now either, but at the time, Walsall fans weren't very happy with how we were doing. But if you actually look at the, the circumstances we were under, the budget we had, uh, the teams we were playing against, I thought, and the, the um, limitations we had within our budget, within our budget and our squad, I actually thought we did a really good job. I think it kind of shows that now that where Walsall are in the league, that how good a job we actually did. With the coaching, you sort of started there really in sort of senior stuff. You did a bit of Chester and and obviously a couple of games at Burton Albion and, and the stuff at Walsall. And then you've you're at Wolves now working with, with the youngsters at Wolves and you said that you enjoyed developing players. Hey you've had a taste of both now. Is it a case of preferring that helping youngsters develop or you know did you get that bug for sort of the three points on Saturday or with developing the players at Wolves now it's a lot longer term strategy and uh, pleasing the, the pleasure you get from it. Um, we've got a lad there when I went in, he was 15, he's made, managed to make his first team debut. So that's five years. I've had to wait to see the fruition of, of helping him. Whereas in, in a first team, you get every Saturday, you know whether you've done well that week by whether you get three points or not. So it's um, that, that's the, the major difference for me with you football and first team football that. You get that uh, gratitude and satisfaction within a week in first team, where in development football you have to be a lot more patient and, and, and wait your time. 
And just talk, talk to us about the job you do. So what, what's your specific role at, at Wolves? Are you sort of with a certain age group team or are you yeah, sort of yeah. overseeing? So the last four years I've done the under 16s um, progressed quite a few players through to the 21s and first team. That will help being part of a, a group of coaches doing it. But this year I've had quite a varied diet. Um, started off with the 16s, but I was shadowing the 21s. But when um, the first team gaffer got the, uh, left the club, the 21s gaffer went to help out the first team. So I got the 21s gig for 10 weeks, which was a, a great um, experience for me. I think we had about eight or nine games throughout throughout the 10 weeks and learning to dealing with different players, well, the same players I'd already dealt with, but obviously they were three or four years longer in the career. Um, so they were different personalities by the time I got there and then three years. And then at the moment I'm doing the 18s because when the 21s, well, when the new gaffer came in, Lopetegui came in, the 21s gaffer went back to the, first, the 21s and I got put with the 18s and we're just about to finish our season this week. So we've been really young all season in terms of the age of players. So we've been playing 16s, 17s, in the 18s league it's been really um not difficult but really hard to, to win games but you can still see development within the players and that's the, the major thing in in new football like yeah you want to win games or I, I want to win every game i play or play against the kids in cards i want to win but um it's more of a case of with, with these lads how can we get them keep them on the right journey for their career you mentioned there, you know, players that have gone to play for the first team. Any sort of names in particular you sort of particularly proud of? We've gone on, and because I know that a lot have had sort of chances over recent years at Wolves. Yeah, well, Dexter Lambiscuit is, is is the major one for me. Um, he, he did really. He was doing okay in the 16s, and but um, I just love his attitude and his effort he does. He uses um, his dedication to his profession is brilliant, and like he he's put himself from like one of the also runs within the group to one of the top ones in the group. Uh, by working on his game constantly, and and they're the kind of players you, you want to coach, the ones who want to get better. Um, he's he's a, definitely a pleasure to, to work with. And you mentioned coaches there. This will be another player that sort of Shrewsbury fans will remember from sort of EFL days. There's quite a lot of EFL experience there. You've got hundreds of games. Steve Davis, you, 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 I'm sure that's who you're referring to. There's got hundreds of games. There's, there, I know there's other coaches in that Wolves academy who sort of played in the 90s and the 2000s and got loads of experience um that must be invaluable when you're going in uh, for these young play young players to bounce off yourself you'd like to think so yeah um but i remember being a teenager as well thinking i know everything so it's just <laughs> how, how you break down them barriers to to try and help them um we have a good mix we've uh darius Vassell as well he used to play for villa and uh as a striker and then we and sean parish who was at northampton for many a year um and we also have young coaches who come in with fresh ideas and um, not much, so much of a playing background, but they've done many more years coaching. So it's it's a really good blend of uh, different people from different environments, from different cultures, and it's just trying to help each individual player to get to the best of their ability. Because not all going to make it. They're not all going to be footballers in the Premier League. But if they can't be footballers in the Premier League, we, we try and give them an experience to so that they they remember it fondly rather than uh, talk about it as badly. And football's a lot different now to when you started playing. I think you said it was sort of mid-90s where it's sort of, you know, rough and tumble, roll your sleeves up, sure, sort of old-school attitudes, you know, certainly earlier in your career. Football's a lot different. You know, people have got a perception of young footballers today, sort of maybe some being a bit entitled, and that's not the case with all of them, I'm sure. But 
you know, different attitudes, different it, oh, football's a lot different, I suppose, from when you first started as a, as a young player. How do you find yourself sort of trying to instill some of them old values in 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 the younger players, or how is it for yourself? You've seen sort of sort of two generations of football, I suppose. Definitely, yeah. I, I remember when I was a like a senior, a pro, like thirty or whatever, seeing these lads come through, thinking, "Well, I'm not sure about like the, the values they hold or what values I hold," but I think they are, they have to portray themselves slightly different than we did, just because that's how life is now. And but who's to say what they're doing is wrong? Um, but there are footballs who doesn't change. So certain things in football have to be have to be there. Otherwise, you're not going to be a footballer. So if you don't think about work rate, you think about effort, attitude, commitment. They all need to be there, no matter what generation you're from. And I'm sure, like we always remember players that came through in my era. Yeah, they had a good attitude, but there would be players that didn't have a good attitude in our era as well, and they're the ones that didn't make it. So. Um, there is a perception of footballers now being self self entitled and 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 you, I can understand why people think that, but there also there are players that do the, the hard work and do the do do the business, uh, and they're the ones that will succeed. Fantastic, it's, you know, fascinating insight to hear there from sort of a, a Premier League club. We're just going to wrap the podcast up now on Shrewsbury. Really, how, how do you reflect on that time at Shrewsbury? I suppose it was successful for you mentioned there the regrets about leaving but you know a successful two years really at Shrewsbury getting them up to to, to league one obviously I think that they, they, they remain there or they might have gone down and come back up one more time um but how, how do you sort of reflect on your on your time there very fondly um probably the two two of the happiest years of my life like we still live in Shrewsbury now um we've never moved from the area because we, we kind of found home here um and that was probably mainly for me through the club in the first place um great like great time great people i met within the club from the fans to the players to the staff i still go back every now and again some staff are still there that were there when i was there and still say hello and still greet me with a smile um which is brilliant and and i don't think we'll move from the area for the foreseeable future so no i've loved my time at the club um, maybe one day I'll hopefully I'll go back there and be employed again but that's for another day I suppose 